Picture it, Los Angeles, 2023. Oh, welcome to Out on the Lanai, the only Golden Girls podcast you're ever going to need to listen to. I am Sadie Pine slash H. Allen Scott. And I'm Carrie Doherty. And this is a podcast where we used to watch an episode of the Golden Girls and then talk about it, but we ran out of those episodes. And then we watched the Golden Palace and we ran out of those too. And so now, now, now we do whatever the hell we want. Sounds like today we're going to have a sex party, but we're not... <laughs> Today, just based on your tone, today we're doing another Golden Rewind where we go back and rewatch our favorite episodes of the Golden Girls and re-talk about them and offer new insights since we first started breaking down these episodes all the way back in 2014. And today we are rewatching season four, episode 20, High Anxiety, which covers the very serious subject of addiction and also bad commercial acting. I remember the thing I was forgetting to tell you before we started recording. Remember how I was like, there's something else I wanted to talk about. And it's this. So this. Yeah. the reason why we're doing this episode, it's all it's a great episode. We love I love this episode. Very funny jokes, uh, but also very serious, too. Um, but. In the trans, I mean, we've been doing this podcast for nearly 10 years at this point, and and we've we've hopped from being independent to being on one network to joining Mom Plus. So we've been all over the place. And then there was another network in between. There was another we, network. We I totally been, forgot yes, about this that is too. Our third one. Wow. Yeah. So we have we we we're like Blanche. We've gotten around, and so now that we're at Mom Plus, because of all those years of shifting and all those things. It seems like one episode is missing from the catalog of the goal. We've, I mean, we've heard about little things, but then we found them, whatever. But this one is one that many people have said is missing. So that's People why. have reached out and they have said, where the fuck is high anxiety? <laughs> they Carrie? have anxiety no, no. over yeah. the episode. <laughs> no, and and it's gone. It has yeah. just vanished well, into I can't, the abyss. I can't. I mean, if anyone out there downloaded it, please maybe send it. I don't know. But like, I, I cannot. I have. I keep pretty meticulous sort of like files of everything you do. and like backups and I have so many hard drives and all the things and I can't find it anywhere. So I, I don't know what, maybe I had anxiety that week and I was unhinged and it just didn't get saved. Who knows? But we are doing this episode to fill that little gap, if you will. Yes, this it, this was the cocoa of episodes. It was there and we loved it. And we were like, this is going to be here forever. And then suddenly it was gone. It makes me wonder what we said on that. Maybe we said like maybe like that episode is just meant to be lost forever because it just wasn't a great episode or something. And this is going to be much better. Maybe, maybe. Um, so before we dive in, we've got a, a couple of things to talk about. One. Uh, we just wanted to thank you all so much for the positive feedback on our two-part series of the life and career of oh, B. Arthur. So much love. So much love for that. You guys you guys gave me that, like, biography TV, like, A&E situation love. Like, y'all were, like, intimate portrait. Yes, do more of this. And we plan on doing more of it because you guys loved it. Yes, we are definitely going to do more deep dives on the women's uh, careers. And also thank you for people who were chiming in with additional information. I feel like yeah. just on our social media, we've really built this really great archive, I think, of really cool yeah. stuff about the women. And, you know, some uh, people were even like, maybe don't even just do the women. Like, there are so many, like, recurring actors on the show that you could potentially, like, do episodes on, like, Stan, of course, and Miles even. We could talk about the the Freaky Friday of it all. I mean, there are so many different actors who are icons within the Golden Girls universe that we could do many intimate portraits. I mean, we could do all kinds of things. I know. So, so many things. Uh, but the reason why we're doing a Golden Rewind today is because we have been so busy oh my God. preparing so for our live show, which is happening this Sunday. If you're listening this week. September 24th. (laughs) Yes. 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 It's happening this Sunday. If you're listening to the podcast this week, September 24th, Dynasty Typewriter, Out on the Lanai presents a Golden Girl celebration. Doors at 6.30, shows at 7.30. Mm -hmm. We have amazing guests. Alaska Thunderfuck's going to be there. Elliot Glazer. There are going to be drag performances. There's going to be a costume contest. There's going to be trivia. If you love your Golden Girls trivia, and you're like, I know so much about the Golden Girls, I'm going to kick ass because I didn't make it too hard. The mm-hmm. questions aren't too hard. They're, they're, you know, I-, I wanted to be fair to people who maybe don't watch as much as we do, uh, but come and volunteer to come up on the stage and do the trivia with us. What can they uh, win? Tickets, 
Uh, they, I have prizes. That's all I'm going to say. I well, have you should prizes. say who the prizes are coming from, though, because that's a big point of people wanting to go to the show. Chris Gallo, of course, Golden Girls poster. Uh, Kevin Klein. I mean, so many amazing prizes. And also we'll have appearances on video from Barrett from So Good, so Good You Named It and also um, uh, Black Blanche. And then Daniel Soto will be there live in person participating in a small capacity. I mean, there are so many great Golden Girls VIP people going to be a part of this show. You have to come. Yeah, it's going to be absolutely amazing. Tickets are $20 in advance, 25 at the door. So save $5, buy them ahead of time. Mm-hmm. You can go to outonthelanai.com slash live to get your tickets. For those who are not in Los Angeles, for $15, you can buy a ticket for the live stream, watch it live. So it's like you'll be there with us. Uh, and then I think you may have access to it for the next like seven days. So you can yeah. rewatch it as many times as you want well, in that time. Also, can, we, can I say something here about the, something yes. that we were? So both Carrie and I, I mean, I'm not really necessarily an anxious person about shows, but like both of us, when we did the walkthrough and we like did all the stuff, we've been working very busy on this. And we were like- The walkthrough of the theater. Yes. Did we sell any tickets? Are people going to come? Because we didn't really know. I mean, this is a much bigger venue than what we're used to. And also we didn't know if people had bought tickets. We heard some people buying tickets. We had no idea. Literally, they told us how many tickets were sold. And we were like, like I was- shocked that that many people had bought tickets we are nearly sold out and that was like that was like a week out from the show so there are still tickets available now if you're in los angeles get those tickets because they're like carrie has been saying and i did not believe her but now i believe her there is a high chance that this show might sell out and if you aren't in los angeles get that live stream because it like it, it's going to be fun to watch. And they told us that there's different angles that the live stream will have. So you'll see. I know they have different cameras. Oh my it's going to be like you're watching like a weatherman. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sadie Pines, the weather girl going into the, the audience. Pines weather girl. <laughs> uh, yes. So for those who have bought tickets, we're so excited to see you there. And for those who are thinking of thinking about it, just do it and we'll see you there. Yeah. Um, okay. It. One more thing before we get into the episode last week, there was a Golden Girls themed picket as part of the WGA's themed pickets at the studios. It was at the Radford lot. I went. It was amazing. Elliot was there too, right? Elliot was there. Yeah. Uh, Jim Colucci was there, author of the Golden Girls Bible, um, which at this point, if you don't have Jim's book, you have to get Jim's book. Yeah. Stan Zimmerman, season one, Golden Girls writer, was there. Um, and I met... Molly Hagen, who mm. plays Miles's. I was literally introduced to her by Jim Colucci, who said, and this is Molly, who plays evil Caroline. <laughs> and I immediately was like, okay, were you in the witness protection program with yes. your dad, Miles? Um, she was absolutely lovely. Mm. Um, so I have some gossip, not from her, from somebody else. But uh, first with Molly she like couldn't believe Golden Girls fandom. I think she's like been to some events in the past and absolutely loves it. Um, she's also on a show right now on the CW called Walker, and mm. she plays like the matriarch of the family, and it's absolutely amazing. Wow. Um, Wait, Walker, she... Texas Ranger Walker? Mm. Oh, I don't know. Let me get back to you on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's related. I'll look it um, up. You talk. Okay. So um, she, it could be. She um, said that. Um, uh, Harold Gould, who played Gould, who played Miles, was absolutely fabulous. Mm-hmm, she said mm-hmm. it, it is. is. It's the it's the reboot of Walker Texas Ranger. And let me just tell you, I interviewed Jared, who's the star of it. I can't say his last yes. name, but he's very famous, and people think he's so sexy. And he was so nice to me, and he even threw some shade at the old Walker Texas Ranger, saying that Ooh. because we all know that Chuck Norris is kind of. I mean, maybe not the most progressive person in the world. And the show necessarily wasn't the most progressive show. And he was all like, this show is going to be more forward thinking when it comes to how we represent people, which I loved. I love that. So, yeah, Great. go watch Walker That's and support fantastic. Molly, a.k.a. Caroline. Um, but <laughs> she was so great. She said that um, she was like really nervous, of course, going up against all these heavy hitters like the women. <sighs> but she said they were also lovely and she had a great time. Um, I also ran into someone who used to work on the show. I can't say who it was, but it's someone, it's someone, it's a woman who I once worked with and she said she had a few things to say about Susan Harris. Oh, one, she said Susan Harris was such a prolific writer that 
when Susan Harris would write a script, a word would never be changed. And she was in the position to know, she's in the position to know this about if there were any script changes. She said, whenever the actors would run through Susan's scripts, everything would get such a laugh. Nothing ever needed to be changed. Everything was perfect. Always. She said, I've never met a writer like that before or since. And she's been in this business for a long time. Wow. She said one time Susan Harris was on a flight and this was when uh, phones were very new to planes. So this was like super high tech technology. She said, Susan Harris once dictated an entire script over the phone <gasps> from a plane. And that was the script that made it onto the air. She didn't remember the episode. So that's one thing. The second thing is a little bit more like gossipy. Okay. So Susan and her husband owned a restaurant near Sunset Gower Studios. I forget the name of it. It was like maybe a little... Was it Columbia's? Something. I forget. Anyway, okay. they owned a restaurant. Um, she, This woman told me that after they would tape the show on like Friday nights, they'd all go to Susan Harris's restaurant, go to the bar to drink. Um, so so th th that, this is the backstory. She owns this restaurant. So Susan, I guess, lived five hours away, maybe like north or south or whatever, from where they would shoot the yeah. show. Um, and she worked from home most of the time. Well, and they shot the show. The show was shot just a block down from where that restaurant is in Sunset Gower. Sunset Gower Studios. Yeah. So um, she every day Susan had there was an assistant who would bring Susan lunch from her restaurant at Sunset Gower to her home. <sighs> and it was a five hour drive. And she said every day this poor assistant had to drive five hours to bring Susan Harris her lunch and then drive home. Now, these are all... These are the wow. claims of a woman who I've I used I've worked with. Who th these are her claims. I'm not claiming them to be true. I'm claiming them to be claims. H. Allen Scott slash Sadie Pines. You were a journalist. Did I do that okay? You did that just fine. Yes. Sources say. <laughs> I will say a single sources. a single source. Yeah. We did not reach out to Susan Harris for comment no, because yeah. I don't know how to get a hold of Susan Harris. Yeah, she's not taking I just, our calls. I don't. I don't want. I'm just saying. I'm just saying this was something that someone told me, wow. and I'm repeating it. And maybe that's ir irresponsible, but I feel like nah, it's Hollywood. I feel like the Golden Girls community just. Even if it's a piece of gossip, the Golden Girls community eats this stuff up, and so it's, do I. It's like it's like what Sophia says in this episode. That's Hollywood, baby. You know what I mean? Like okay, <laughs> just, okay, okay. That's, this this town is built on those kind of rumors, and also. I think Susan Harris, author or the writer of the famous abortion episode for Maude, as we learned on part two of our B. Arthur Life and Times, and also Golden Girls, Empty Nest, so many great shows. You know what I mean? So many great shows. Soap. If someone, soap, of course, if someone can merit having an assistant drive five hours to deliver a lunch, but also, don't you think the lunch is going to be cold? Like, I mean, what is it a salad? Because that's going to wilt. Like, I mean, there's so I'm many not things. Sure we didn't get into details, but I would say that. Also, I why mean, not open I, a restaurant closer to home? I mean, you're Susan Harris. You have so much money. Like, have two. Make it a chain. I would hope that this assistant was being reimbursed for mileage and gas. I would hope. Yeah. Um. You know, I feel like I love Susan Harris's work so much that I'm like, I would do it. I'd drive. I'd I had to do to that. Podcast. I had to do that once at an old job. I mean, only my, my my friend ma mainly had to do it, but I sometimes did it with him, where our boss would require us to drive to Mexico to pick up something for someone he was dating and then drive back. And we had to do that quite often um, from Los Angeles to Mexico. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Did you know what you were picking up? Yes, it, it was, it was, they, they were human beings. Um, we had to, we had to, oh. like, we had to pick up his family. And then, oh, okay. but it was also, I, it was also a very complicated relationship where the, it was just a very complicated relationship that this person was having with this person in Mexico, and then they would come stay with us. It was very strange. But our job was to go pick them up and their things and bring them back to Los Angeles and then drive them back sometimes, but mainly he would drive them back, and then we would just go pick them up when they came up. It was it was, a, it. It was always it was a very complicated moment. Very weird job. I, I apologize if I misheard because I was picturing somebody like putting a suitcase. Like, yeah, no, like a, I know something in the in the trunk and being like, don't open I realized and then you just like, I, I realized that as you asked the question, I was like, oh, that probably is how it came off. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's fantastic. Well, we have so much to talk about with we this do. episode. We do. Should we should we take a little break and then get right into it? Let's take a break. See, poo.
Okay, and we're back. So right off the bat, I have to say, obviously we have two very different stories in this episode. Very One different. that has like emotionally a lot more weight than the other. Um, but I do want to start by talking about the pizza commercial story. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe it was just me, but I felt like with the pizza commercial story, there's a lot of frustration with the entertainment industry coming from the writers in this episode. And it felt very appropriate given the strike. Yes. Um, yes. That was sort of my overall thought with that story. I liked that. I get that reference totally. I mean, there's definitely a lot of frustration there. And also, you know, Sophia recognizing that the words can be better. She can do better, you know, mm-hmm. and the pizza yes. can be better. Like everything uh, can I be also, better. <laughs> with the Rose story, I, I liked that they were, again, I feel like they did this with 72 hours, that they were portraying a different kind of addiction story that we didn't necessarily see on TV at the time. Yeah. Um, I felt like they did a really good job at clarifying and, misconceptions, and like how addiction the, is a disease. Yes. You're never cured. You have to work at staying sober. I really appreciated all of that in this episode. And giving it to a character, which they have done in other episodes too with with Rose, uh, that a character that you can kind of identify with that's kind of more simple. It isn't as complex as the other characters. And you would you would almost understand like Dorothy having an addiction to something than you would Rose because you just can't picture Rose having an addiction to anything. And I think... And that, it's so easy when we see Dorothy gambling, we're like, yeah. oh yeah, that feels very much Gambling, like <laughs> smoking, like there are so many moments mm-hmm. where you can you can see that from Dorothy. Or if it was the, the HIV AIDS episode, you could, I mean, because of how promiscuous she is, you can see it, with, which that is not a reason, but still, you can, as a writer, you can see it, whereas with Rose, you can't. And so it's it's interesting. I will say, though, of all of the very special episodes of the Golden Girls, and this is definitely one of them, I would say. I mean, it deals with a very heavy subject. I would probably rank this on the lower end of the very special episodes. Chronic Fatigue is higher up for me. 72 Hours is higher up for me. Uh, uh, Phil's Death is higher up for me. Like, there are so many very special episodes that are so good. And Golden Girls does a great thing that very few shows did in the 80s and 90s where if there was a very special episode, pretty much the entire episode was serious. And, like, you saw Mm -hmm. that with... You know, Designing Women, it was always very serious if it was a serious episode, and there was very little humor. Whereas the Golden Girls were like, no, we're going to lean into the humor still, but make it a very serious episode at the same time. And they're kind of, Golden Girls is unique in that one. But this one is kind of on the lower end of those for me. What about you? Um, I mean, as someone who, you know, as someone who has dealt with having somebody very close in my life who um, has substance abuse problems and and is a, an addict in recovery. Um, I feel like, like I, I enjoyed it. And like I said, I, I, I feel, I enjoyed it in so much as I appreciated all those things that I listed in terms of um, the, 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 the sort of using comedy to teach lessons yeah. mm-hmm. and to kind of break misconceptions. Uh, it had been a while since I'd seen this episode. Um, so I was like, oh yeah, I'm, I just, I really appreciate those things because I, I, I do think that sometimes, and, and I myself have done it and this is why I'm like, have like checked out Alan on, mm. um, you know, which is a resource for people who care about people who yeah, family um, have and friends, substance, so, substance abuse yeah. problems. Um, I, I do sometimes have to remind myself that, um, my issues are are with the disease that this person has mm-hmm. and not this actual person it's in so my important life to and remember that um i've 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 struggled to create healthy boundaries mm-hmm. uh between us because i sometimes treat the addiction like i treat my friend and i yeah. have to learn how to create boundaries that separate the person from the addiction yeah um so that's something that I've I've kind of had a hard time with is sort of separating the two and and understanding that it is a disease. It's a disease. Yeah. Um, it's hard to do but, that. But with... so I think that's why for this for this episode, when, um, you know, when Rose is feeling ashamed about, you know, going to rehab, um, you know, Dorothy reminds her like this is a medical condition like yeah. addiction is a disease, Rose, like like any other disease. Um, it's hard to do that though when you know. when people are so, because you so, I mean, I think about that with like my parents' situation. I mean, it wasn't with drugs, but it was with domestic abuse. And it's like, 
even though the action is very hard and you want to blame the person and you want to like blame all the things, it's like you also need to separate the time and the place and everything that's happening. And like, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to like step back and see people for whatever their problem is, be it they have abuse problems or drug problems or any of the problems that we can have in relationships and the things. And it's like to really step back and be like, people are complicated. So Mm-hmm. You can't put blame on everything. You can't live your life putting blame on people all the time. Sometimes you have to say that was a bad thing that someone did, but there's reasons for it. And the, you know what I mean? There's a there's a history and you do that through therapy and therapy is wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this was just my personal experience. I had a really unfortunate falling out with someone very close to me mm-hmm. because I didn't create healthy boundaries. Yeah. Um, and we're currently not speaking and and it's my choice. And I, you know, I do take some of the responsibility in that way, but, um, but yeah, so I think that's why just, and it's, it's all like relatively fresh. Um, so I think that's why this episode in particular, like I was just, I found myself nodding hard, like hard nods Mm. when I was watching it. Again, like I said Um, at the beginning, there's a reason why this episode originally went missing. We needed to do it. We needed to have this moment. It feels like it was the right time. Thank you, universe. I do need to, I do want to point out, I love the opening of this episode with Dorothy making malts. Yes. I mean, as she was making it, I was like, it should be a sensible shake, Blanche. (laughs) Um, No, I wasn't shaming Blanche. Um, But do you actually know the difference between a shake in a malt i didn't google it but i just off the top of my head i didn't well, know i think a malt is the thicker if i remember correctly like there's a there's a thickness to a malt that like not so that you can turn it upside down but that it like oozes out slower whereas a milkshake is more milky it's more mm-hmm. liquidy it's less thick you know but i don't know yeah. i mean so might... it's like a frosty is that like but it also a, like could a wendy's be frosty is that of. more on the malt side i would i would probably think that would be more on the malt side or it could just be one of those east coast things that like east coast people just call milkshakes malts you know what i mean mm-hmm. like they... i could google it i just didn't want to well <laughs> now people are gonna <laughs> sometimes be sometimes i like to pretend like we're people still are living sounding in off right now being like a malt is yes yeah totally um so uh so sophia comes home we learn that she was at the local mini mall Mm. and uh a little place called little slice of italy has just opened and she met the owner and he loved her so much he wants her to be in a local commercial Mm. and i feel like we've heard so many like so many hollywood starlet stories start out this way and i never believed them until i met an actor named joe perino i can't even tell you how i met him because it's the wildest story and i'm going to save it for another day but it started when i was like a teenager and then it reconnected when i was like 30 but anyway he was and i'm I'm pretty sure i'm remembering this correctly i hope i am uh but him and his brother were like literally sitting in like an alley in the bronx outside of like an italian food joint and like a limo drove by and a window rolled down and a guy was like hey kid come audition for this movie and he was like what okay and he went and he auditioned for it and like got one of the lead roles and it was a huge movie called sleepers you remember it yes. kevin bacon was in it yes. and it was terrifying yes um and robert de niro's in it and uh and now he's a great working actor but i'm pretty sure that was the story is that like him and his brother were like in an alley in a car drove by wow that doesn't that story <laughs> like, did like not audition that story did not you got sound the right like... look kid we're looking for authentic new york kids that story did not sound like it was going to go in the direction of a famous story more like a dateline story or more like like what happens in sleepers it's which is again oh, wow. absolutely yes. terrifying yes um but uh anyway so i just thought that that was fun that like sophia was discovered at the mall i, I also like the start of sophia's her walking story. in and 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 Dorothy is just on that that malt, you know what I mean? Like just really mm-hmm. going at that malt and which is like how I would too. Like if I if something is delicious and I need to finish it, I don't care how I look or sound. I'm gonna do what I need to do to get that last little drop. You know what I mean? Especially if it's dessert related. Like yeah. I don't. I'm gonna lick the ice cream yes. off the plate that has melted. Yes, yes absolutely. Is it any wonder I'm I didn't you. breastfeed her? What's that? Oh, what's that? Is it oh, anyone? no wonder I didn't breastfeed her. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I also love that when Sophia says, like, hey, I'm going to be in the commercial, Dorothy's first follow-up question is not, like, how much do they pay? Is there a contract to sign? Her first question is, and where do you think you're going to shoot this commercial? Yeah. Like, that's not up to the actors. That's not. That's not how... <laughs> That's not how commercials work. Yeah. But apparently in this case, that's how it works for some reason, because 
instead of shooting the commercial at the location that they're trying to promote, which is Little Slice of Italy, they decide to shoot it at Blanche's house on Richmond Street, which has nothing to, it doesn't even look a little bit like a pizza restaurant. So <laughs> I, I, I was like, sigh, well, sigh, the director. This is a huge red flag for me already. Yes, of course. But I also think this is like a like a, like a a local commercial and sigh looking at Sophia probably is like, oh, you probably live in a cute little brick house filled with all little Italian knickknacks and little, little coffee cans and little like little Italian things all around the house. Like he probably sees her living in a place that Sophia doesn't live. Maybe, but like, shoot the restaurant. <laughs> shoot your commercial in the restaurant. But it's like, That's it's what like you're he's, promoting. No, but he's trying to sell a Mama Lucia vibe. You know what I mean? He's trying to sell sort of like a, like a, this is grandma making this pizza at her home and we just, we just bring it to the restaurant for you fresh from grandma Sophia. All right, point, counterpoint. Anyway, after Sophia's like, we're going to shoot it here on Richmond Street, there's a really great exchange between Blanche and Rose that I would love to play. Oh, now hold on here. I don't want a TV crew coming in here, messing up my kitchen, setting up all that video equipment. Well, how about shooting it in your bedroom, Blanche? The equipment's already set up there. I like that as Rose was saying that line, as Betty White was saying that line, the audience got it from the beginning and just started laughing. She couldn't even finish the line because it was so funny from the get-go. It is so, so funny. And I feel like we need a running list of all the things that like- Are in Blanche's bedroom? They're like, oh, Blanche, you have that in your bedroom, like whipped yeah. cream. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she has a mini yeah, fridge. I feel like handcuffs. She probably has a mini fridge in her bedroom for like everything that could go bad. I mean, she should if she has whipped cream in there. Cherries. Just using it. Cherries, whipped cream, Mm -hmm. um, probably some lubricated items. I don't know. I mean, no judgment. Uh, You know, there's lots of things that you could Mm. probably refrigerate. Yeah. But with all this going on, there's an even bigger problem brewing at the house on Richmond Street. Sophia was looking for oregano and she accidentally knocked a bottle of Rose's pills into the sink and they went down the drain. And Rose is pretty stressed about it because she won't be able to fill the prescription until after the holiday weekend. So mm. that's something that we set up that's kind of a Bruin. You know what? This this has nothing to do with the episode, but I have to ask you. So whenever, like when I hear that line, it's a holiday weekend, you're going to have to wait until Tuesday. My mother would always, like if there was a holiday coming up, being like, if you need to shop, if you need to go to the post office, if you need to do something, do it now because it's a holiday weekend. Like it would, they would almost get excited about telling people that Monday was going to be a closed day so that you couldn't do stuff. That's one. That's the vibe I got from Blanche there. Her being like, well, it's a holiday. Yeah, I had a very negative reaction to that. And I wasn't even going to bring this up, but you just brought it up. But again, <laughs> everybody just know that it's fine. I'm going to preface what I'm about to say with it's fine. Um, when, uh, little Oreo was born and she was in the NICU and we didn't know what was happening with her and she was having mm-hmm. seizures. Um, they were like, we're going to have to order her an MRI, but because it's a holiday weekend, mm-hmm. we're not going to be able to do it for probably like five days. And like, we could maybe try to get somebody to come in, but it's the holiday and a lot of people are on vacation. So <sighs> you guys are just going to have to wait around. And then like, because of coming back from a holiday, it's really busy. So it's probably going to take like two more days to get the results. So yeah. like, I know, right? Yeah. So that was the vibe that we got. And we yeah. were so mad. We're like, of course you were. When it comes to vital things like yes. getting MRIs, is there not a holiday weekend team? People that take other holidays? Yeah. People that, when the people who work all the time, and yes, they need a long holiday weekend, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs vacation days. I 100% subscribe to that. But you're telling me. That on this holiday weekend, no one can perform an MRI on yeah. a newborn baby who's having seizures? Okay. I know. Um, it's so frustrating. When I was in chemo, I had that where you, the realities of the medical infrastructure and how it works in a very practical way becomes more and more apparent as you need vital things. And it it it's it's frustrating because you realize, oh... These hospitals and doctors, sure, they're miracle workers and they do great work. And everyone out there who's in, who is a nurse, particularly nurses, you do amazing work. But yes. it's like you also realize that they're human and kind of annoying. <laughs> and it's annoying. It's annoying the practicalities of life getting in the way of vital things. It just is so annoying. I, Yeah, I can't stand it. But yet, yeah. what can you do? Yep. Anyway, though, little yeah. Oreo, she's doing so, so great. She's That's so cute. I'll leave that. 
Um, okay, so let's talk about the creative brainstorm with Sophia and Cy Ferber, yeah. which again, red flag. Cy Ferber, you know he goes home and hangs out with the smoking nun at the mall. Oh like, yeah, I, he is he is at her house and they're collaborating. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what is happening here? Is Sophia getting paid for this development work? Is it free development work? Like everybody at the WGA is currently fighting against. Yes. What is happening here? Like we need to give a shout out. Of? Shout out to the actor though, because he is the late great Jay Thomas, who was in so many great shows. Of course, he was in Mr. Holland, Holland's Opus as well, and he died too young, way too young. And he is, um, he. Yeah, he was a great, 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 great actor. Cancer took him, unfortunately, but really funny. He was also on Murphy Brown for a really good stint. I mean, just such a great actor. And he is fantastic in this episode. Mm -hmm. I found him incredibly unlikable, which I feel like was the vibe that yeah. we, he was going for. Um, so Dorothy walks in as Cy and Sophia are like, again, brainstorming. And and he's like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. A mother, a daughter? A mother, a daughter, and a commercial. I love it. Um, and then there's a great exchange between Dorothy and Sophia that I love where Dorothy's like, I mean, maybe. I, I'll have to check my schedule. And <laughs> Sophia goes, please, you're a substitute teacher. So someone else sets up the driver's ed cones. <laughs> oh. I mean, so, so good. Just so perfect. So good. So, of course, Dorothy agrees to also be in the commercial without asking about any deal points or getting a lawyer to look at a contract. But, okay, <laughs> I just I really want to protect you as new commercial actors, guys. They're they, not. I'll, I'll they tell you this. You. They're not going to get much residual pay from this from this local commercial. I doubt it. If, if they're if they're, no. if they're shooting no. at home, I don't know. Later, you'd think it was a local commercial, but it must be a franchise because later Dorothy says it's nationwide. Oh. And there's a lot of money at stake. And I was like, well, they did get that part right. So yeah. maybe at some point they did talk money. Um, so uh, so then Blanche uh, initially is like, you know, because she doesn't want anybody dragging equipment through, which I totally get that. Um, but because it feels a little invasive. Um, but then when Cy offers her $1,000 a day, she's like, great. Blanche is in. Um, so everybody goes into the kitchen to come up with a shot list again like Cy what are you doing so he's like yeah so then you'll stand here and I'll put the camera here um and Rose is in the kitchen baking and she gets very very upset because they come in and her cake deflates and they're invading her space um and we're gonna play that moment as well Sophia I want you by the table excuse me I'm gonna have to ask you to leave I'm very upset Rose <laughs> This man is paying me $1,000 a day to make a commercial in my kitchen. I live here, too. I have every right to use this kitchen. Miss, this will only take a second. Oh, yeah, well, it'll only take a second to knock you on your keister, buddy. Now, what's it going to be? Look, if I wanted this kind of abuse, I'd be directing the Roseanne Barr show. It's wild to me, because I see Roseanne as coming on television after the Golden Girls. Like, I see them as two separate sort of eras of television, you know? But they really did overlap for a pretty significant part of both shows. They did. And I, I also feel like, um, again, I, this to me felt like a very inside baseball joke because Roseanne was notoriously difficult to work with, um, especially when it came to writers. She didn't learn writers' names. She gave them numbers. Um, it sounds like her writer's room was just sort of a turnstile of people coming and going. Yeah. Um, and I know like Stan Zimmerman was also a writer on Roseanne, didn't have a great experience at all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to me, I, to me, that just kind of felt like an inside baseball joke where. Did you, did you ever read, there's a great art, this, this isn't about Roseanne and not Golden Girls, which I know people listening who, I, you guys, I know you love Gold, Roseanne as well. We've, we've communicated about this. There's a great article, I think it was in New York Magazine, about the uh, one writer on Roseanne who said, who's Jackie? And it became a joke going on because the one he was he was hired Roseanne was so unhinged about who she would hire that she hired someone who had never seen the show and didn't know that Jackie was the sister and it it became it became a sort of a, a folklore story within writers yes. worlds yeah who 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 Jackie is is a famous story that goes amongst writers rooms and I'm sure on sets as well um and but there's they found also out a who story it was about the actor who played Mr. Belvedere who got so upset 
he like sat down really hard and squished his testicles. Wow. But they found out who the guy, who the writer was. It's a great article. Yes, they did. And yeah. they, yes. And they interviewed him about it. I yeah. think Norm MacDonald was the one who started telling the story yeah. um, on like late night shows and stuff. Cause Norm was also, again, someone gone too soon. Um, uh, anyway, so uh, Rose's valid, I think valid frustration with Psy and with her space being invaded um, is enough for Sai to be like, okay, forget it. The commercial is off. Yeah. Um, and the women are upset with Rose, who is impatient and stressed and anxious, you know, because she hasn't, we haven't learned yet, but it's because she hasn't, she's having, you yeah. know, withdrawal from these pills. Yeah. Yeah. She's having a moment. She's having a moment. Um, did you have anything else or do you want to move on to the next bit? Let's move on to the next bit. I'm good. All right. So the next day, Sophia comes home. She says that she talked to Sai. He agreed to still shoot the commercial, but it's no longer to be in their house. It's going to be in a studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then here's what Blanche thinks about that. We have that moment to play. But if he shoots it at his studio, then I get screwed and have nothing to show for it. <laughs> Welcome to show business. I love it. It's so perfect. I, yeah, I love how Sophia Sophia is just up there being like, "Hey, this is Hollywood, baby." Yeah, and I love that she she's got this air of like, "I'm in it now, and I know things." And mm-hmm. excuse me, I feel like I really do feel like this was the writers just kind of airing some of their complaints about like, "Oh, things just change at the last minute." oh, all of a sudden you need to do a rewrite because someone gave you a note and you're staying up till one in the morning and you don't get to spend time with your family. Well, <laughs> when you complain about it, people go, well, that's show business. Guess what, guys? It doesn't have to be that way. There are plenty of rooms that work with doable hours so we can spend time with our family. <laughs> so then Rose comes home. She's in a really, really great mood. She's kind of back to being her chipper self. And Blanche and Dorothy are like, what's up? Like, you seem great now, but yesterday you were acting like a crazy person. And I don't think them calling her a crazy person is a really good or accurate or yeah. um, responsible way to describe mental health struggles. Um, or addiction. more but... so addiction. Yeah, like adi- someone who's literally suffering. I mean, I guess it's mental health too, but addiction. Like, that's just going to send them over the top as well. Yes, yes, yes. And um, so they learned that uh, Rose was able to get her pills refilled. And that's why she feels she's feeling better. Um, And they're like, what are these things even for? Uh, And she says her doctor prescribed them for when she wrenched her back, pulling a plow on the farm back in St. Olaf, which is like a really funny story of picturing Rose pulling a plow because the other woman who pulled it, who was named Bessie, who you're supposed to think was like a cow or something, got hurt. It's it's just it, again it's levity it's it's finding yeah. the humor and the sort of more serious stuff um but she says that she's been taking these pills for about 30 years which i okay i believe rose let me just start with that however did the doctor who originally prescribed them is he still prescribing her because pres- a prescription expires like i, I don't that so that part yeah me. I, what i was assuming maybe I, it didn't i thought about to. this as well i thought maybe she had a prescription from her original doctor in St. Olaf. And then maybe, I don't know if you can have prescriptions like forwarded to like different doctors. I have within state changed doctors and I was able to still get a prescription filled. But for something like what I'm assuming is a painkiller, um, I'm not sure. I'm yeah. not sure if it was. Yeah. I, I mean, I I'm not know. one. Or it's in a doctor who a doctor who just recklessly writes prescriptions. I'm not one to call holes in stories here because I, I'm definitely a believer in everything. But this one was a little bit because, I mean, I even struggle sometimes with like <laughs> getting prescriptions filled. So I'm like, how did Rose get away with that so easily? I don't know. Yeah, it can be it can be a little bit of um, like you doing some somersaults and jumping jacks and mm-hmm. hurdles and all that stuff to try to get something filled. So. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, but maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe there is a deeper dive into, into this, uh, maybe how easy it is to get prescriptions. And if there are 
doctors who have certain bad relationships with drug companies or mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so anyway, when Dorothy points out that her doctor probably didn't intend for Rose to be taking them for this long, Rose is like, well, a doctor prescribes them to me, like, you know, which yeah. means that they're safe. And, you know, I only take them when I need them. And Blanche gently asks, uh, you know, Rose, if she's ever considered the possibility that she's dependent on them. Um, and Rose ends up getting really upset. Which is, um, I mean, she's like, are you calling me an addict? And she kind of storms out. I, I, I recently watched the Netflix documentary about the opioid epidemic. And like, it was a great, I forget the name of it now, but Matthew Broderick was in it. A great, great film. And the logic is there. I mean, for a lot of people, chronic, uh, treating chronic pain in this country is a huge, huge problem. And we've never really figured out how to do it. And so many Americans, well, so many people across the world suffer from chronic pain and treating it can be very difficult. And when big pharma abuses their power for profit in order to basically at the expense of people's lives in, in the opioid epidemic uh, uh, example, like then people die or they get addicted and their logic is, well, a doctor prescribed it to me and I don't have this pain anymore because of this pill. So it's good. So you just, you, mm -hmm. and it, I get the sense, I get the logic behind it and it's really, it's really dangerous. It's really, really, really dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like you want to be able to relieve people's pain with something that isn't habit forming. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so Rose says that she doesn't need the pills and she's like, nope, here, have them. I don't need them. Um, but late that night, the women wake up to the sound of Rose, like rearranging the cabinets. She's accidentally broken a dish and she's really looking for her pills. And then that's when it's clear to everyone that Rose really has a problem. Mm -hmm. um, and then that's the sort of like da -da -da act break. So um, I feel like such a hypocrite. That I'm like, I'm literally looking at a glass of wine. I'm like, let's take a break right now. because I'm going to have a sip of rosé in an episode where we're talking about addiction. I needed to have a glass of wine. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> And we're back. Um, so Rose recognizes that she has to stop taking the pills, but she's like, look, I can't stop tonight. It's the anniversary of the death of my beloved cat, Fluffy. <laughs> um, Dorothy points out that Rose has never had cats. She's allergic. That's a lie. She had Mr. Peepers. That's true. That's true. Continuity error. Yeah, but they didn't do that back then, so that's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Um, I mean, Sal played a waiter. Who cares? Nobody cares. <laughs> um, so Rose says she's afraid to try to stop taking the pills because she doesn't know that she can. Yeah. Um, and and again, I think that's a fear for a lot of people. It's like yeah. it's just easier to be able to continue taking it every day than than actually have to face what you might feel or go through or how hard it might be to quit. Mm -hmm. um, but like we said before, she doesn't want to go to rehab. She'll feel ashamed. Dorothy points out it's a medical problem. Um, but Rose says that she wants to try to quit cold turkey first. Like that's what she wants to do. So the women being the great friends that they are, this is the number one thing we love about this show. They're like, we're going to stay up. Sorry about that. We're going to stay up all night and help you get through it. Yeah. I don't know how responsible this is, but I support their supportive nature. But part of me yes. is also like, they can't take this on. This is bigger than them. Yes. And 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 I I thought the same thing until obviously a little bit later when we Rose comes to the conclusion that she can't just quit but, with the help of her friends overnight. But also, know? what is she going to do? What, is, what are they going to do at night? There's nothing they can do. She's going to be up all night anyway. So, like, you might as well, even if you can't do anything, like, you might as well stay up with her. So it makes sense. Yeah. And I think, too, from the women's perspective, like Dorothy and Blanche and Sophia, it's like Rose is really adamant about not doing rehab. And yeah. they're like, OK, if we can at least stay up with her for the night it's that it's the one day at a time of it all. Like mm -hmm. it's okay. Then you know what we're going to do. We're going to, this is just the next step. We're not going to make this feel like a really hard, long thing that she's going to have to tackle. Yeah. First things first, let's do a short to-do list. It's let's just get through the night without taking a pill. Mm -hmm. Um. So they stay up all night. Rose brings out Guggenspritzer, which I think is a real fun St. Olafian name for Monopoly. Um, and the whole scene is fun and the game is ridiculous and silly like you would expect. Um, I really, I really wanted them to play more Guggenspritzer, but that's me. 
So uh, later that night, they end up sitting in the kitchen. They're eating bunk cake and um, Blanche. I love I love when Blanche somebody has a problem when Blanche relates it to something similar that she experienced. I do appreciate that in this scenario, Blanche was like, I don't have experience with this kind of dependency that we're talking about, which again, I thought was very responsible. Yeah. Um, but she says she once gave up something that was very important to her, which we all know. Sex. <laughs> I thought maybe you were going to say it. So no, I was I like, you, that's you, why I slowed you did, it down like You did that. a slow one. And I thought I like um, the build up to it. I like that build up you did. Yes. Um, so she said that after George died, she was afraid of getting intimate, intimate too fast and getting hurt. So she ended up giving it up cold turkey. Um, and we also have that moment. That's really fun to play. Old turkey. And it worked for you, Blanche? Well, not entirely. <laughs> Barely a month had gone by before I started feeling those awful stirrings and urgings. <laughs> I was like a spring blooming peach bud just ripened to dewy fruition, <laughs> waiting to be plucked by the first handsome man to come my way. You were looking for some nookie. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Did the term nookie go back what, that we far? Had, you know, we had this exact same conversation because I immediately was, we, I immediately went, we did it all for the nookie. What? The nookie. And I then thought, like, I didn't know that that was a word like that people regularly use before. Who is it? Limp Biscuit? Is that who it is? Yes. It yes. was Fred Durst, Limp Biscuit. But I looked and it I'm up. I'm sure I look... last time we recorded this, I also said Fred Durst uh, directs eHarmony commercials now. Oh, does he? Fun. Does he? He yes. seems like a horrible. The ones with the old man with the white hair. Yes. Elliot, Elliot was is doing a show, a really fantastic show about Woodstock 99. Is it 99? I forget what year it is. The one anyway, with all the fires. Yes, all the problems. And yeah. and the one that Limp Biscuit is at who caused all the problems. Anyway, and I, I had to That I, is a bold statement. He did was cause Limp Biscuit responsible yes, for he the did. fires. Well, he wasn't res he wasn't responsible no for the water? fires, but every single person who organized that concert was like this person is a dickhead for what he did because he they told him not to go out there and rile up that crowd because they are on edge and he went out there and did exactly that and they like oh. started doing shit. Um, oh. so yeah, I watched so, it live on TV, but I don't remember it. Cause that was a thousand years ago. Right. He's like the angry one. Who's like, I want to fuck some shit up. That's like his name. That's like his thing. Whatever. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, he has a song called stuck, which is like really derogatory towards like towards yeah, women. So like I'm, it's, yeah, it's the right person I have in female, my head. I think is the first two words of it. Yeah. But I did look up the word nookie and it said, <laughs> some say the slang term for sexual activity or female genitalia may be derived from. The word nook, meaning a secluded or sheltered place, and other trace its origin to the Dutch verb nuken, which means to have sex. So, yes, but it, but it, but it could it could go back as far as like the 1500s. Nookie, Who put knew? it in my nook. Put it, put it. Go on, go on, baby. Put it in my nook. Isn't I'm pretty sure that's a they do that on the office. Like, get out of my nook, Jim. That's what she said. That's what she said. When, anyway, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's one of the. Um, okay, well, that's great. I love that we have the same conversations we had ten years ago. Um, we're just like we're like old grandparents now. <laughs> remember Did I tell you about the time. I don't remember. Go on, say it again. <laughs> I also don't know how this moment didn't make it as like a call out on our Blanche's horniest moments episode. I know because um, she was pretty horny. I mean, there's so many though, you, and we only have like an hour or so. Yeah. Anyway, so um, so they play the game. They stay up all night. The women and Rose and Rose is finally like, okay, let's all go to bed because the sun has come up. She made it through till the morning um, and she didn't take any pills and she's like, great, I did it, which again, felt very irresponsible that they buy it back later. Yeah, um, yeah. So now I want to talk about the commercial. Can yes. we talk about the commercial? Please. The pizza commercial. I'm into it. So again, I I want to talk about how much money this company is wasting. Oh so <laughs> they have now rented a studio <clears throat> and built what I'm assuming is a lookalike set of the yeah. actual pizza place in the mini mall. I don't know why they didn't just shoot the commercial at the pizza place mm -hmm. in the mini mall. Mm -hmm. Okay. It probably so, is not, it's um, probably not pretty. It's probably not good. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they don't shoot the McDonald's commercials at your local down the street McDonald's because it's probably not as attractive as they want it to be on television. 
but they shoot it at a McDonald's. How do we know that? We don't know that. It might be a studio McDonald's. We don't know that. I don't know. I just feel like if this place is a franchise because they're playing a nationwide commercial, you'd think that one of their locations Mm. would be good enough to shoot a commercial. But I don't know. Who am I I to talk about money? Yeah. (laughs) So they're shooting the commercial. Dorothy is not doing well on camera, which honestly is not her fault because the director, Cy Ferber, (laughs) which... If I were in high school and or if I was like if I got drunk enough and like Massachusetts Carrie started coming out and it was like, oh, Cypher, Cypher, Ferba over here. I don't even know how to say it. Cypherba, Ferba, Cypherba over here. Yeah. I've had half a glass of wine and it's big guy. Come on, big guy. Come on. That's what I I imagine. Ferba. Yeah. I imagine Boston people doing big guy. So Cy, the direction he gives to Dorothy when speaking to Sophia he says instead of actually looking at Sophia, he tells her to look um, into directly into the camera. Mm-hmm. You know, like humans do. Yeah. They just look completely in the opposite direction when they're talking to somebody. Of course. And then to top it off, he instructs her to look at the camera like she's, quote, making love to it. Mm-hmm. I mean... He's not setting her up for success in any way here. No, he's not. But at the same time... Sometimes you have star quality and sometimes you don't. And I'm I'm not saying that B. Arthur doesn't have star quality because if you listen to the part one and part two of B. Life and Times B. Arthur, she does. But I am saying Dorothy Spornak might lack star quality. I mean, let's, she she kind of freezes up in some situations. We saw her meet George W. Bush, H.W. Bush. That is true. That is true. But... I really feel like what's happening here is, again, maybe a commentary, maybe not, maybe intentional, maybe not. But this is what it's like to be a commercial actor these days. The director sucks. They blame it on the actor. And I and I just feel like actors get thrown under the bus a lot. And then Dorothy pitches a correction to one of the lines because the line that was written was grammatically incorrect. And Sai is like, hang on, hang on, hang on. You can't make any changes to the script yet earlier. He was at Sophia's house having a creative brainstorm. Mm -hmm. So, like, which is it, Cy? I feel like you're just saying that because you realize you were wrong and you're feeling insecure and you're blaming it on a woman. That's how I felt. So he demotes Dorothy to the role of the employee who delivers the pizza to the table. And guess what? The actor who replaces Dorothy says the line while looking at not the camera while looking at Sophia. Uh-huh. So the director made a bad call and he needed to see it. He needed to see it on the day. Yeah. And when he realized it didn't work, instead of being like, you know what? That was my fault. You should be looking at her. Instead, he blamed it on Dorothy and he fired her. And then he quietly gave the other actor the different direction. Mm-hmm. So he just, instead of admitting he's a shitty director, he blames it on Dorothy. He throws her under the bus. And now people get so surprised when actors are assholes because coming up until they got famous, they were treated like absolute shit by everybody in town. And we're all like, why are they assholes? <laughs> and that's why they're assholes because they were treated like shit for so long and they couldn't take it anymore. Anyway, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I just loved I was like feeling so much for Dorothy. I loved it. So I loved it when Sophia spit out the pizza and called it slime on a shingle. It didn't look like good pizza at all. It did not look very delicious. I want goofy movie pizza. I want Teenage Mutant Ninja, mm, Turtles, Ninja Turtles pizza. Like I want my pizza yeah. to be I want my movie and TV pizza to be completely inedible. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you can't get, you'd have to use like all mozzarella, Well, but you'd have to like dye it a different color to get goofy movie pizza. But I know exactly how you would eat that. So what you would do is you would pick up the slice and the cheese would just, just fall off, just melt off like a, like a, like a face in a horror movie, just like, just completely Mm. melt off. Then you take the bread, you roll it up and it's less of a pizza and more of a dipping device. And you take it and you dip the, the folded up bread into the melted cheese and you sort of whip it around and then you take, or as my good friend, Jake Cohen, who you should, everyone should go buy his new cookbook, which I'm looking at the title right now. I could nosh. Um, you oh, should... I love Jake Cohen oh, yes. on Instagram. I love his recipes. Oh yeah, he's a very, very good friend of mine. I love him to death. Um, but you should buy his book because it's, I'll, I'll give it to you because I have many. <gasps> um, it's, it's, uh, I, I, I could nosh and he says, 
shove it in your face. And that's what I would do with that pizza. I would shove it in my face. That's a really good way because some people might be like, fuck it. I'm not going to eat the pizza. I can't. How do I eat this pizza? But that right there, I mean, that's. You're yeah. being, you're really, you're thinking, you're thinking that's, that's. Well, you put food in front of me and I will find a way. It's like Jurassic Park. Life finds a way. Well, for me, it's with food. Food finds a way. Food finds a way to your mouth. Yes. <laughs> um, there is a great exchange uh, between Sophia and Dorothy that I would love to play in this moment. Ma, this is a nationwide commercial. There is a lot of money involved here. Sorry, Dorothy. There are two things a Sicilian won't do. Lie about pizza and file a tax return. <laughs> I love it. I, I love mean, I love that like that is Sophia's breaking point. It's like, yeah. no, no, I will not lie about pizza. Um, <laughs> the thing about filing the tax return made me laugh because I um, I don't know if I told you I was like having a moment where I was like feeling really depressed about the strike because it's been going on now for like 777 days. Yeah. And so I just started binging the Jersey Shore oh, wow. and then Jersey Shore family vacation. And um, Mike, the situation went to prison for eight months for tax evasion. But then he did a total 180. He got sober and he came out and he's like Mr. Motivation now. And it's fantastic to watch. I mean, that is wonderful to watch. I love a rehabilitation moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's funny. He's real funny. Um, so back at home, um, Rose, for some reason, is taking Flintstone vitamins with water, even though they are chewable. They are. Um, yeah, Flintstones, uh, unless I'm mistaken. I mean, I, I think took you're Flintstone right. vitamins as a child. I remember them being chewable as well. Yes. Yeah, they were chewables. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so Dorothy thinks that she's taking one of her pills and 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 Rose is like, no, 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 it's just a vitamin. But then, and I feel like this is a little bit of a twist here that maybe originally the audience didn't see coming. Rose actually admits that she did take one of her pain pills yeah. last night. You know what this reminded me of? The episode where Dorothy has a gambling addiction and Rose gives her her, her card, her credit card or her pin card or whatever. And she's like, you would never know my pin. And then Dorothy goes, it was written on the back. It's like on the card. <laughs> yeah. It's also nice that there are these like small moments in both episodes where Dorothy and Rose are there for each other in those kind of moments of yeah. addiction, even though I know that it wasn't meant to be well, that way because it's also, we never talk about them again on the show. But No, but it is similar to the other very, uh, very special episodes as well. I mean, you look at chronic fatigue syndrome and who does Dorothy choose to take with her is Rose mm-hmm. because there is... They are very different people. They're very, very different people. And so when you give them a serious storyline, I think really they're opposites. So that friction can sometimes make really interesting stories, I think. Yeah, and I do feel like they they like to lean on each other, um, mm-hmm. which is really sweet because I do think they're both pretty maternal in some ways. And, and it is sweet that sometimes Dorothy leans on Rose instead of yeah. Sophia. Yeah. Um, so... Again, here was a, a moment that I loved is, you know, Rose, again, she admits that she took one of her pills last night. Um, and she said, you know, basically the women supporting her the other night was really great. She really appreciates it. But the pills are stronger than they are. Yeah. And Dorothy is like, you know, let me ca- let me call a rehab facility for you. And Rose is like, no, I need to be the one to make that phone call, which I also thought was like a very important thing, which is. You know, someone needs to be able to make that decision for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to admit to them. They need to be the one to admit that they have a problem. Um, so I, I did like that. She was sort of taking that ownership and going like, no, 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 I'm I need to do this. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. Which, again, I thought was very responsible storytelling. Um, so then some time has passed. Um, it's now like a month later, which I feel like is maybe the biggest time jump on the show. Yeah. Um, and so Rose has been at a treatment facility for a month and, uh, Blanche, I, I thought this was so interesting. Blanche is worried that when Rose comes back, she'll be an entirely different person. Cause mm-hmm. she's like, she's been on these pills for 30 years, the entire time that we've known her. Um, but then of course, when, you know, Rose comes home, she's same old Rose telling yeah. her dumb St. Olaf stories. Yeah. Um, the women are all dressed for Easter. Also, I felt like in the scene, I was yeah. like, it must have been springtime. Yeah, they did. I mean, they looked great. Yeah, they looked great. All looked like they were dressed for Easter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they still, again, in this final like moment of the episode, they're still able to get in some really good teaching moments 
Blanche says, this is so great, Rose, you're cured. Yeah. And Rose says, well, no, 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 I'll, I'll never be cured. This is something I'll live with forever. I just live my life without drugs one day at a time. And I was like, ah, oh, thank you. So, That's, yeah, I just I, I really like that they got that in there. It's so key. It's so important because like, you know, she will. It's always I mean, it's like me with cigarettes, you know, every single I, I still say to this day, smoking is the coolest thing I've ever done. And I miss it every single day and every single morning. And whenever I'm stressed, I always think about smoking every single time. I want it so badly, but I, I won't do it. I won't do it. That's good that you have that kind of like self-control where you yeah. can. Yeah. I've also like built know. up this brand, you know, cancer and shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not really a good look. No, it's off brand. I got to make money somehow. <laughs> oh gosh well that's the episode that's the episode yeah definitely i mean all in all it was a good episode it was a funny episode i liked it but like i said at the beginning in the grand you know pantheon of very special episodes on the golden girls this one isn't the top of my list but it's still very good yeah yeah should we take a break and come back with our golden takeaways i think we should I like how I say takeaways as if it's like Superman flying off a building. Or yeah, Mr. Terrific. Away. Mr. Terrific flying off a building. Yeah, you're Mr. Terrific. Yes. <laughs> and we are back with our golden takeaway, which is a nugget of truth or inspiration that you can apply to your life or the lives of our listeners. Carrie, what's your golden takeaway from this episode? My golden takeaway, I kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier, um, but if you're, you know, if you're someone who cares about someone who struggles with addiction and you're just kind of feeling lost, um, you know, Al-Anon might be a resource for mm -hmm. you. It might not also, but it might be. So if you are feeling lost and, and you just kind of want to talk about things, then just you know, consider it and know that like your feelings are valid and that you're totally not alone in, in being yep. someone who struggles with having someone close to you who's who's dealing with that. That's all. That's important. And also just in general, your feelings are always valid. No matter what, don't ever shame yourself for your feelings, no matter if it is connected to either someone with an addiction problem or just in general, like less shame, more happiness, more joy, but more on the path to that, you know, like it's okay to feel the things you're feeling. It's always okay. My golden takeaway from this episode is if I could have any addiction, any addiction in the world, it would be to pizza. And I don't have an addiction to pizza because, well, I'm on Ozempic, so I can't really, I can't even finish two slices at this point. But I, I, I love pizza. The best pizza I have ever ate in my life was actually kind of goofy movie pizza in that, I was in Buenos Aires, uh, Argentina. Ooh. Thank you. And and I I they they're, they're known they're I mean they 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 have good pizza there. They they have their own style of pizza. And I went to this one restaurant. I should message my friend and ask her about it. But I went to this one restaurant that was like known for its pizza and it was very like Europe 1950s sort of Italian restaurant style thing. I mean it's a, Buenos Aires is a very European city in general. And and uh, I sat upstairs in like a little booth like a little like brown French sort of Parisian chair situation. And they they bring up this pizza and it just looks like the cheese has just melted all over the plate, right? And you cut mm -hmm. into it, but you have to eat it with a fork and knife. You have to. And the, the, the level of meltage, but not too hot. It wasn't like it was hot. It was just that the cheese was ready to just fall apart. And even mm -hmm. just thinking about it now, my mouth is watering and I, I'm getting a little sweaty and I just, I'm my feeling. mouth is watering and I'm getting sweaty at just picturing yeah. what that pizza looks like. It was so good. I don't even think I took a picture of it because I was so in the moment, but I know exactly if I went back to Buenos Aires, I could, cause I, it's right by that oblique or whatever that, that big statue thing is in the middle of the main runway there. I could walk to it. I could walk to it because I remember exactly where it was. It was such a delicious slice of pizza. I, I've never, I just, Oh, I'm not pizza tonight. Oh my gosh. I'm yeah, I'm gonna have a stupid fucking chicken salad. Thanks oh, a lot. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> I mean, you could change that. Put that in the fridge. If Susan Harris can have a has a have a lunch like driven up for five hours, you can put that in the fridge and eat it tomorrow for lunch. 
And order order pizza from Buenos Aires. Yes, or somewhere local. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Okay, guys, thank you all so much for listening. This has been another episode of Out on the Lanai. To those who are coming to the show this weekend, we're so, so excited to see you. Uh, and we will catch you back here next week for more Golden Girls greatness. Oh my God, yes. And guys, you can follow us on, or you can subscribe to Mom Plus and follow us. We are part of Mom, so go, go, love all those podcast at Milgas of Media. You can also follow us on the interwebs at um, Golden Girls Pod on Twitter or X or whatever it is. Out on the Lanai official on Instagram. Golden Girls Podcast on Facebook. And I am Sadie Pine slash H. Allen Scott on everything, 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 all of it. And I'm Squidzy on Instagram and Squid Eat Squid on Twitter. And like we always say, if you have a moment, please rate and review wherever you get this podcast. Yeah, you know the deal. People discover it. We get bumped up in searches. Yeah. Our community of Golden Girls fans grows. And one day we may be big enough to take over the world and make sure that people don't make bad decisions when they direct shitty commercials. Or 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 possibly take this wonderful live show that we're doing this Sunday to your city. Wouldn't that be wonderful if more people discovered the podcast? We could afford that, which would be very nice. So that's go do that right now. Right now. For for two people who really don't like traveling no. and planes. <laughs> that that sounds like a blast. No, but we can figure great. it out. Um and guys, remember, as always, stay, stay golden. golden! <laughs> Out and I is not endorsed by Wit Thomas Harris Productions, Touchstone Television, Disney, or any of its subsidiaries. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names, pictures, audio, and video clips of the Golden Girls are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective trademark and or copyright holders.